coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field. It's the Derek Izzy Show. Welcome to the Derek Izzy Show. I am the aforementioned host, Mr. Izzy. And before we get started, I want to thank Moses Ronald for that wonderful introduction. Moses, how are you doing today? I'm coming at you live. The greatest announcer in the world of radio, Moses Ronald, is here. Moses, it's good to have you back. Some of our audience was unaware that you were on vacation the last week. Took the family on vacation. You want to tell us a little bit about where you went? Yeah, we went camping. I got poison ivy all over me. But it was fun. Well, Moses, I know that when you guys went camping, there was a long drive to get there. You know, you need entertainment on that long drive. You want to tell me a little bit about what you did for entertainment along the drive? Did you listen to the radio, listen to music or something? Yeah, I listened to uh, an audio book using the sponsor of the show, uh, Audible, and... I'll tell you what, that, that drive was pretty smooth, listening to, to Audible. Well, that's good, Moses. I'm glad everyone can take advantage of that sponsor, Audible. Get your free trial with Audible. Go into audibletrial.com slash Derek, D-E-R-E-K, and you can get one free book download. If you've never heard of Audible... They provide downloadable books to your computer or smart device. If you don't have time to read your book, you can listen to the audio version of it. Go to audibletrial.com slash Derek and enjoy your free one-month subscription and one free book download. And now, the topic of today's podcast was born in Michigan in 1862. He was a quiet man described as very kindly and very gentle. He got his diploma and was endorsed by the Faculty Medical College of Philadelphia. In 1885, he acquired another diploma as an eye and ear specialist from a hospital in New York. At this point, he decided to make a move to England. However, his diplomas were not sufficient for him to practice as a doctor over in the UK. He worked at different ventures over in England, doing different things in dentistry, being a homeopathic doctor. He had several failed businesses throughout his career. But what he became known for was something completely different. He was married, and from all accounts seemed to have an average marriage, until he met a secretary. While he was falling for his secretary, his wife was exploring a career in entertainment. She had success over in the United States as an entertainer, and she began to earn more money than him. Her career took off. That allowed them to save and handle his business venture failings. Despite having these failings, 
The wife's successful career was taking off. She took an assumed name, Belle Elmore, and continued through the music halls as an entertainer. She had great success on the theatrical scene. And then she seemed to have met a tragic end. This small, kind man had been accused of murdering his wife, Belle Elmore. She was, by all accounts, a a total opposite to him. She converted her husband over to Catholicism. She was a very large woman, and he was a very small man. Dapper in dress, uh, balding, Uh, he had a mustache, and he wore wore spectacles that, that made him look very, very unassuming. Throughout his trial, he was described as kindly, gentle, and well-mannered. What led up to this tragic event? From what we know, the wife was tired of him. She knew he was having an affair, and she threatened to leave him. She was also planning on taking their joint savings with her. This would have left the topic of today's podcast in financial ruin. That is considered to be his main motivation when he is accused of murdering her. He has a party at his home. Guests arrive, and everything seems normal. After the party, several days later, the topic of our podcast is seen pawning his wife's property. Fur coats, jewelry, he's selling it all. His secretary is also seen wearing some of it. Friends of the couple become suspicious. They haven't seen the wife, and all her belongings are either being pawned or worn by the mistress. A friend of the wife becomes so suspicious that he reports this to Scotland Yard. Our subject explains that his wife simply moved back to the United States to care for a relative who had fallen ill, and that she would no longer need these possessions because of her career and her success over in the United States. The detectives from Scotland Yard do not buy this excuse. They investigate. Upon their investigation, a body is discovered at the couple's residence. In the basement, they find human remains, medical organs of a chest and abdomen removed in one mass, four large pieces of skin and muscle, one from the lower abdomen with an old operation scar four inches long, a man's pajama jacket, with a label that reads Jones Brothers, and an odd pair of pajama trousers. There was no head. All of the limbs were missing, and no bones, except for what appeared to be part of a human thigh. One of the pieces of skin that was recovered with the scar was deemed to have been made during an operation. These organs were analyzed by doctors at the trial. The skin was also analyzed, As an aside, the skin was actually analyzed by Dr. Pepper. That's true. Being accused of this murder, both the topic of today's podcast and his mistress were tried separately. The trial lasted only five days before our subject was found guilty. On day one of the trial, acquaintances of the family and some of his business associates came to provide evidence There was evidence that he purchased poison, and no one had seen his wife since the party. On day two, a chief inspector gave evidence, 
The skin expert, Dr. Pepper, took the stand, and he stated that the mark on the piece of skin, the scar that I'd spoke about earlier, was caused by an abdominal operation. This was an operation that the wife had received. Therefore, the skin must belong to her. As the trial continued, our subject was cross-examined by the prosecution. As the questioning continued, his replies became more vague and evasive. When asked when he purchased the pajamas, he replied that he had purchased them in either 1905 or 1906. A buyer from the firm Jones Brothers was able to prove that this pajama material was not acquired by his firm until the end of 1908, thus proving that our subject had committed perjury. The jury took only 27 minutes to find him guilty and sentence him to death by hanging. His mistress was tried four days later and found not guilty as an accessory. On November 23, 1910, our subject was hanged at Pentonville Prison in London. Up until his execution, he proclaimed his innocence over and over. Before his execution, he requested that a photograph of his mistress be buried with him. His mistress left for New York under an assumed name and finally died in 1967 at the age of 84. The house where this alleged murder took place was destroyed by a German air raid in World War II, so you can no longer visit it to see the site. However, DNA evidence has been provided. What makes him the topic of today's podcast is that almost a hundred years later, in October of 2007, a forensic scientist, David Ferran, claims that mitochondrial DNA evidence showed that the remains found in that basement floor were not those of his wife. This has raised new questions about whether or not he was guilty of even murdering his wife, what actually happened to his wife. Upon further DNA testing, the remains were also tested for sex. The remains that were found in that basement were those of a deceased man. The research team also argued that the scar found on the abdomen of the body, which at trial was found to be consistent with the subject's wife, was incorrectly identified due to the tissues having hair follicles, whereas scars do not. In light of this new evidence, requests have been made to Scotland Yard to provide samples of the blonde hair found in curlers at the scene to conduct DNA testing to see if they actually belong to the wife. Scotland Yard has repeatedly denied these requests. Recent investigators have come to the conclusion and this happened around the time that the Jack the Ripper case, Scotland Yard was under so much public pressure to find and bring a suspect to justice that evidence was planted. In December of 2009, Criminal Cases Review Commission, having reviewed the case, declared that the Court of Appeal will not hear the case to pardon the topic of today's podcast posthumously. So having... Having a very bizarre court case, convicted of murder, hanged, and then being proven 
that the person whose remains were found in his basement were not those of the wife he was convicted of murdering. The topic of today's podcast, Holly Harvey Crippen, was perhaps not the murderer he was accused of being and hanged for in London, England. And now you know the rest of Holly Crippen's story. In conclusion, one of the things that we don't know to this day is what happened to his wife. His wife's name was Cora. There seems to be no evidence of anything other than disappearance. After his trial, nobody spoke up and said, hey, here's what happened to Cora. Cora never spoke up and said where she was. By all accounts, we know that she just disappeared. And it is a mystery that may be forever unsolved. Thanks for listening. And please visit our sponsors. Check out audibletrial.com slash Derek. audibletrial.com slash Derek for your free book download. And tune in for the next podcast. Thank you and good day. Mm-hmm.